Hello, hello, hello. I am your Pruleith hostess with the mostest, Michael Munoz. And welcome to In Yo Mouth! In Yo Mouth. I'm the queen of food who's always in the mood to lick it right, lick it good, show you how to. Oh, God, that's good. I want to know what you eat from the streets to the sheets. So open wide, honey. I'm coming. In Yo Mouth. Goosebumps. Looking for a new high-end mascara without breaking the bank? The new L'Oreal Paris Panorama Mascara gives you a high-end lash look in a premium gold luxe packaging. It's all about panoramic volume and fully fanned out lashes. With its tapered brush, the new Panorama Mascara catches every single lash, giving you the false lash look without any of the hassle. Say goodbye to clumps and flakes because this mascara especially formulated to resist them all day with up to 24-hour wear. And the best part? It performs better than Luxe mascaras at only a fraction of the cost. You can buy Panorama Mascara on Amazon today. Okay, it's time to commit. 2024 is the year for prioritizing yourself. Begin your new smile journey with Bite, and you could start seeing results in just two to three weeks. Just order your at-home impression kit today for only $14.95 at Byte.com. Byte clear liners are doctor-directed and delivered to your door. Treatment costs thousands less than braces, plus they offer financing options, accept eligible insurance, and you could pay with your HSA, FSA. Get 80% off your impression kit when you use code WONDERY at Byte.com. That's B-Y-T-E dot Start your confidence journey today with Byte. Hey there, and welcome back, folks. Once again, I'm your hostess with the mostest, Munoz. And did we all survive the weekend? Did we all survive halloween I sure did. I had a blast out at Spooky Bear in P-Town, giving you my best Lucille Ball impression for sure, honeys. And are we ready? Because the holiday season is here, honey. I read something on Twitter or Instagram being like, Folks, yes, we're cutting right through right to Christmas because Thanksgiving has no cute songs, no cute outfits. All Thanksgiving is giving is a, a murderous white man and some greens. And so, <laughs> you know what? That kind of justified the earliness of it all. That and the one and only Mariah Carey smashing pumpkins and like, you know, coming out of the defroster for the holiday season. So I am absolutely here for it. What I'm not here for is the daylight savings of it all that's coming up, daylight saving of it all that's coming up and just the pure darkness. But we we shall overcome as we do every year. But you know what I'm really excited for? Yep, you guessed it. Another gay celebrity, y'all, just on the pod. I don't know. They're just coming out of the woodwork, and I couldn't be more excited to have him here with me. So without further ado, please help me welcome the one, the only, Jeevandeep Kohli. Say hi. Hello. Thanks for having me. No, thank you for being here. How are you? I am hanging in there. How are you doing? I'm good. I'm good. What's it like in San Diego right now? What's the weather like? You know, it's sunny San Diego. It's uh, living up to its reputation. <laughs> I would highly recommend. All right. 
Okay, okay. Well, listen, I'm a man of all seasons here in New York City. I can't live without them until, like, they last a little bit too long. And I'm like, okay, I'm, re I'm ready for the switch. I'm ready for the transition. Full transition into from caterpillar to butterfly. You know what I mean? <laughs> well, in that case, maybe don't move here immediately because we don't have those seasons. <laughs> <laughs> Well, before we get to the getting on, Jeevan, in the grand tradition of In Yo Mouth, I need to wish you Happy National Sandwich Day! Wow, that's very broad. I like it. <laughs> well, <laughs> what'd you call me? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, sometimes these national food holidays are... Are, yes, very vague and very broad. Are, are we a sandwich person? I mean, I like a good sandwich. As, as a vegetarian, I find that they, they're, you know, a lot of the same. But I do love cheese. So, you know, bread and cheese. Very I love that. <laughs> yeah. I mean, what's I, I always say that's going to be like, you know, that would be my death row meal. Just, you know, breads, cheeses. I am not a vegetarian. So <laughs> the meats of it all. You know, full full charcuterie plate, or as the internet has been calling it, shark coochie plate. You know, <laughs> for sure. Now, there's a great debate here whether, um, you know, a taco is a sandwich, or a hamburger is a sandwich, or a hot dog is a sandwich. Can we? Do we have an opinion here? That's an excellent question. I feel like a sandwich. Well, no, I'm, I'm already kind of backtracking here because I was going to say it has to be like two separate pieces of bread or something bread-like, but that's not always the case with like a with a roll, for example. So I don't know. I'd find it really hard to, to land on one side of this debate, but, I'm, I, but I will say I do not feel like a taco is a sandwich. <laughs> <laughs> a taco is a taco, yes. right? I, I feel like even Taco Bell now is trying to make... The, their like chicken taco sandwich thing uh, a thing and so it's just like no a taco like a hot dog maybe is a sandwich like mm -hmm. a hoagie is a sandwich and it's kind of like just a bigger hot dog bun <laughs> right yeah, yeah I can see that. <laughs> but yeah definitely definitely not a taco <laughs> Listen, election day just happened in many, uh, uh, you know, across America here. And so this, but this is the only debate I like to have. <laughs> so no matter, you know, what you celebrate out there, if you're, if you're a sandwich, a taco or a hot dog, we celebrate you, I guess, <laughs> in any which way, shape or form, we will take you. And moving right along into this day in gay history, Jeevan, did you know that in 1975, the Wall Street Journal runs a front page story on the growing influence and success of The Advocate, the nation's leading gay publication? And I may, I don't think I'm wrong about this, but I think it's the oldest gay publication uh, now in America. Wow, I did not know that. That's awesome. Yeah, right? You know, there was a lot of uh, gay history today, mostly political, and I kind of wanted to sidestep it just for, you know, I just had such a great weekend, you know? <laughs> and, you know, politics, this this is mainly a politics-free podcast, and so I, I just, I needed a break, <laughs> right? And so 
I wanted to give the listener a break as well. But I want to get to the getting on, right? Oh, wait, d- did we do anything for the ho- uh, for the Halloween weekend of it all? Uh, we did. We did a little bit of something. So I dressed up as a Loki variant this year. Um, if you're familiar with the, the recent series. Uh, so I was the lesser known bearded Loki variant, which was fun. Uh, okay. So I went out with my friends. We are actually in the middle of uh, an application season. So as clinical psychology doctoral students were preparing to go off on our internships. Uh, so we were celebrating submitting all those applications. Oh, amazing, amazing, amazing. And that's a great segue into getting into the getting on and celebrating you, Jeevan. In your mouth, listeners, I don't think you're ready, and you probably do know who Jeevan is. But Jeevan is a neuroscientist and clinical psychology PhD student. He uses brain imaging techniques like MRI to study brain structure and function and how they relate to cognition and behavior across the lifespan in neurodevelopmental disorders. Now, in your mouth, listeners, I am sure y'all are out there are like, what the hell is happening on this food podcast right now? <laughs> but this is why I'm excited to have him here, because Jeevan has a wide variety of passions outside of his research, including science communication, community engagement, advocacy work, and what? Baking the latter of which landed him a stint on season four of The Great American Baking Show. And there's the tie-in, you see? You see what I did there, y'all? Just have to take the long way around. (laughs) You know what? Sometimes the long way is the most delicious way. Okay. (laughs) No, but really, we just had, I mean... Friend, friend to you and, uh, you know, co-contestant Chris Tucker on the pod, who I'm absolutely in love with. And I'm excited to have you on the pod. Yes, because the, the neuroscience of it all. But because baking is, is a passion project and not necessarily the life's work of it all mm-hmm. and, and the cross ties in there, I think are really, really fascinating. What you stand for and what you represent also super super important and and so i think i think the full spectrum of who you are is going to make today just super special so thank you for being here oh thank you i feel like i'm already blushing (laughs) so you know uh, i i have that effect on my guests (laughs) (laughs) me 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 and my candy apple nails right (laughs) so like i just want to say start here how do we go how do we go from neuroscientist clinical psychology to to baking baking in what is what i think most of the world's favorite baking program <laughs> like how does that where is that intersection you know i i don't know that i have the answer to that question <laughs> I think, you know, the the baking may have preceded the kind of formal neuroscience and and psychology of it all. I started baking pretty seriously back in college. uh, And back then, I didn't know exactly what it was that I wanted out of a career. But I knew that I love food. And I went to college up in the Bay Area. And I, I had a really, like, 
nice group of friends who also appreciated food and we got to do so much exploration up there and it was really formative for me to uh, get to visit those bakeries and and decide that this was something that I wanted to pursue maybe not professionally but uh more seriously than kind of casual yes ca- kind of casual like holiday baking yeah you know just like I'm I'm in the mood for a cookie yeah. you know <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> Yeah, I get it. Um, now, are we self-taught? Did we go? Did we go to school? Because what you produced, right, on the show alone, is quite epic. You know. <laughs> Thank you. Um, I am. Well, I will say, you know, I was taught to cook by my mother. I've been cooking for a lot longer than I've been baking, and the fascination with food has been um, for as long as I can remember. Um, but when it comes to baking, my mom didn't do as much baking, which is why I think I sort of found that little niche for myself. Uh, and for the baking, it really was just a matter of looking at, um, you know, cookbooks and internet recipes and figuring out um, how to do things on my own. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Now, in your mouth, listeners, I say this practically every episode. I don't know Jeevan, right? Uh, we, I like to meet my guests for the first time, for the most part at least, you know, on the pod because it, you know, it lends for a more candid and real uh, uh, conversation and like this getting to know you of it all, I think just happens in a very, you know, magical way here. And uh, Jeevan, I am also self-taught. I kind of drunkenly fell into... Um, baking custom cakes uh one day right <laughs> that turned into a a short-lived a short-lived custom cake business <laughs> out of my 120 square feet apartment uh-huh. <laughs> until i realized uh, i hated my life and i hated <laughs> it because the the technical aspect of it all and the patience you need to have and the the amount of things that can go wrong in any in a millisecond mm-hmm. that are like absolutely unfixable unless you just restart yeah you know absolutely absolutely i get that i'll take like a a wedding cake job every now and then and every time i'm like why did i do this to myself it's way too stressful (laughs) it it, it really really is and it's that combined with like the pressure of yeah fine i know how to bake you know how to bake you you've created and you still create beautiful things i have created beautiful things but then it's that added pressure right let okay baking for fun is one thing but then baking for someone's major event that if it collapses in the middle of the thing you ruin <laughs> you are part of the demise of the event you know <laughs> yeah it's a it's a lot of responsibility <laughs> It, it it really is. Take me back to your mom's kitchen for a minute, because I oh I always love to talk about you know love of cooking here and where that love of cooking came from, and and paint the picture for us of what that was like and and what and what made you really kind of you know grasp onto that like love of cooking because there's a an article or two out there that I've read <laughs> about you right that you kind of explained this in a very beautiful way. Yeah, I think, I mean, there are, there are a few facets of it that I've, I've spent a lot of time thinking about and what it is that's, that's brought me where I am. Certainly, um, I've inherited my mom's passion for, for cooking. And I think beyond that, she's, she's also got just more of a general passion for creating things that I've always been really fascinated with. She comes from, uh, you know, a, a culture and a time when 
you you really made a lot of the things that you have in your life. She sews clothes, knits blankets, cooks, you know, almost all of the meals that we've eaten. And I was just really enamored with this idea of taking some sort of raw material and turning it into something else. Um, and out of all the things that she did that with, I gravitated most toward the food. So I have all of these fun memories of, of probably mostly just getting in her way in the kitchen. But, you know, I had my like special stool there that would help me reach up on the counter and, and help, uh, quote unquote, help her with whatever she was working on. Um, and she was very, um, you know, accommodating of that, fortunately. So I got to learn from her from a very early age. And um, and that's sort of where things started for me. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's incredible. Like you, you had you had your Tom Cruise like apple box, you know, <laughs> have you heard that? <laughs> Just in your mom's kitchen, you know, creating. And I think, um, you know, especially in like deeply rooted cultural households, like, you know, lots of things are centered around, you know, the meals and the, and the cooking. And because I remember myself growing up, you know, in my very Puerto Rican household, you know, um, there were times where we weren't allowed in, in the kitchen if we didn't have like some sort of like hat on or like hair wrap on, mm -hmm. right? Because... You know, and not that I grew up with animals, but like if we went into other people's homes or families' homes that had the ant, like, you know, the dog had to be out of the kitchen, yeah. like, you know, and like all of these things of like everything centered around, yes, around the dinner table, but also around the preparation of it all and how that was also a way to commune. Yeah, absolutely. And I think. You know, the other big part of it for me that I learned from her is the aspect of, of sharing. So food is absolutely meant to be shared. It's one of the really most amazing ways that you can connect with another person. And um, that's something that I've, I've really tried to carry forward. So, I, you know, particularly with baking, I like to do... I like to bake because it's so easy to share baked goods with, with other people. Yeah. Yeah. I get it. You're right. Well, you haven't extended it to New York because there are no baked goods <laughs> in you in my apartment. Okay. <laughs> Fair point. Fair point. <laughs> and now we are, now we are officially in an internet fight via my podcast. <laughs> it's just a, a normal Tuesday morning for me. <laughs> you know, you know, I, that's how it goes, <laughs> obviously. <laughs> Internet arguments with strangers over unreceived baked goods that they never asked for. Right? <laughs> yep, yep. Well, I mean, if you have read the articles, you've, you've read that the, the you know, I, I don't have a bakery or a business right now. So if you want baked goods, you have to be my friend, basically. So now that we've officially become acquainted, we can maybe get you hooked up with something. Yes. Like, <laughs> listen, I'm 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 here for a random package in the mail, whether yeah. it's baked goods or other. So <laughs> as long as it's not something crazy. <laughs> oh my goodness. So fine. You you grow up bake uh, cooking you find this passion for baking and then all of a sudden now you're in britain someplace wherever they filmed this show on this show competing in a very what seems like a very like happy but also equally a stressful environment like how'd that all come to be yeah i mean it's that's, that's a really good description of it i think i you know 
I chose to go on the show because it is one of the less um, extreme or like, you know, stressful seeming environments. They're very supportive people and it seems like there's a nice sense of community. Um, so when the opportunity presented itself, I, um, I was pretty much pressured into it by my, my friends and family because I had never imagined um, being on TV or really being in, in the public eye on such a, a, such a large scale. Uh, but it also just seemed like this once-in-a-lifetime type of opportunity that shouldn't be passed up. <laughs> um, yeah. So yeah, that's that's how I ended up on the show. And I will say that it, it's stressful, but it turns out um, graduate school does a really good job of preparing you for stressful situations. And so I, I actually, I had the time of my life. It was really a lot of fun and um, don't have much negative to say about it. <laughs> I mean, it's it's the great American, you know, baking show, right? Uh, modeled after the great British baking cook-off. Um, and, you know, they fly in your mouth listeners, I'm sure, because everyone's a fan. I haven't met one person who dislikes the show, and you're probably a terrible person if you do. Because <laughs> how could everyone's so lovely all the time, you know? <laughs> Even with the, bra- the bad critiques, it's like, you know, you're... It didn't happen this time, but like, yeah, your flavors were good. You know? <laughs> right. There's like, there's always like some sort of like backhanded compliment, like, but in the nicest way. There, you know? yeah, they, they try their best to present uh, balanced feedback. <laughs> uh, yeah, you, you know what I mean. And it's, um, I was having a discussion with a friend the other day, uh, talking about yes, Chris Tucker, and now you coming on this podcast, and. He said to me, he goes, you know, Michael, if that was filmed, because he was surprised that they flew the Americans out, <laughs> right, to to the, the set or wherever wherever it's filmed. Um, and he goes, you know, if that was filmed here, it would be a completely different show. Oh, yeah. And I was like, oh, yeah, absolutely. Full on, full on arguments all the time. <laughs> full on people shutting shutting uh, people's ovens off or unplugging the refrigerator. <laughs> yeah, totally. I think uh, it's, it's good that they flew us out there because we got to, to keep some of that uh, British charm to it. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Well, Jeevan, this podcast, right before I, I cut out to, you know, the, the break here, this podcast has always been a celebration of LGBTQ people in food. And you don't know this, but I started my, my journey because I didn't see myself represented in food media in 2009. And seeing someone like you on television is very, very special um, because you are a representation of a very specific culture. And, you know, we don't often see you represented on TV. And this is why I was also so excited to have you on this podcast because I was like, yes, this, (laughs) this, he's shining and thriving. (laughs) And not only can he bake his ass off, but he's fam, right? And, and you come across the TV fabulous and and you're a neuroscientist. Like, it's like, the kids need to see this, right? Mm-hmm. Like, some little person out there need needed to see you on TV to be like, oh, look, that's, that's like me mm-hmm. out there, right? Because representation matters. Did you think about that at all as, as in deciding whether to go on the show? Or 
after being on the show and what that represented? Yeah, absolutely. I'm glad you brought that up because it's something on my mind a lot of the time as, you know, a a brown man who wears a turban, I am rather visible. (laughs) Um, But, you know, you don't, I don't necessarily always get an opportunity to explain the meaning behind this, why it is that I wear a turban, what it, what it means. And um, again, to be presented with the opportunity to do that on such a, a large scale as national television, um, it was absolutely a motivating factor for me to, to take this opportunity to be presented in a, a positive light and to, um, you know, have that connection with other people who, who share my uh, characteristics. Um, and since then, it's been just uh, amazing to hear from the many people who connected with what they saw, whether it was because, it was, you know, I'm a person of color, because I wear a turban as a sick man, um, or because I'm part of the queer community, um, or multiple um, aspects of that identity. Yeah, I mean, you check all the, bo- the, all the beautiful boxes, <laughs> uh, absolutely. And it's not often, I was actually thinking about this, I was like, oh, we don't even see... You know, it's like the representation scale of either uh, of people of color on television and the trickle down of like what we see on television and and people in turbans, men in turbans mm-hmm. or, or people in turbans in general on our televisions in America. We just don't see. Mm-hmm. Right. It's it's rare. Right. And so how special and how how incredible, like just just as a viewer myself watching, right? Because I was watching uh, a bit for Chris Tucker and then obviously I got addicted and <laughs> fell through, you know? <laughs> and, and, and finished uh, finished through. But it's, uh, it's, yeah, it was just so like, I was just like feeling this moment for you, you know? And, and I was there with you, like, just like, yeah, this is it. This is This is what we need more of, like, and why isn't that a thing here? You know what I mean? Yeah, absolutely. What does it mean? And just because the audience can't see you and for the and for the people out there just tuning in or just getting to know you, uh, what do, what does it mean? And and because you explain it also so beautifully in this other article <laughs> that I read, right? <laughs> um, just just to be this representation now, mm-hmm. you know. Yeah, so, so I wear a turban because I am a, a Sikh. It's it's part of uh, my religion, uh, Sikhism, and <clears throat> the way that I explain it is that it's a it's meant to be a really identifiable symbol. Um, it means that you can pick me out of a crowd as a source of support um, because my religion is all about service. Uh, so it's it's interesting um and and maybe a little bit unfortunate that here in this country the turban has negative connotations associated with it because for me growing up it's absolutely a a positive thing It, it means that you know people can find me because it's my job to be helpful to others uh and and provide service and you know there's there's more to it beyond that i think the the turban um it's also talked about in terms of being a crown because uh, we have this value of kind of egalitarianism and equality among people. So it's not reserved for, for royalty. It's everyday normal people who put on this crown um, and go out with this responsibility to to be of service to others. Yeah, and this is why I it's important because I don't think we don't hear this, mm-hmm. right? We don't hear this. Like, 
And um, obviously, you know, I try to educate myself, those of us out there who do who do the work and educate ourselves about different religions and different cultures and whatnot. Yes, I know some of this, right? But even now, this is this is learning. And to hear it put in this way, and especially in this country where, you know, it it can mean something or there has been a connotation put on it that, like, is false, mm-hmm. you know? Um, it's important to hear and it's important to say and it's important to reiterate, mm-hmm. you know, for the uh, for the kids, right? Say it again because it's important, you know? And let's hear it and be like, oh, oh, yes. Like, this is what it should be about all the time. And like, this is what we should be celebrating, right? Our differences, because look how beautiful this is. <laughs> well, uh, thank you for providing the, the space for, for me to do that. I appreciate it. Oh, little old me. No, <laughs> please. <laughs> it is an honor and a privilege of my own, of my own. I want to thank you for sharing that. And right now, I think it would be a great time to take a little bit of a turn and a little bit of a break to take you out to my favorite part and the audience's favorite part of the pod, Jeevan. A little something we like to call... Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs. A gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective, unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs. Now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. Food news update! Food news! Food news! Honey, you ain't ready, girl! Spill the tea! News update. Tropicana created a toothpaste that won't ruin the taste of orange juice. Oh my god, I think I read that one. (laughs) I was just reading about that, and I think that that is an awesome idea. (laughs) (laughs) Well, uh, this is twofold, because I loved this headline. Thank you, Food & Wine Magazine. Not a sponsor, but always keeping me up to date on my food news uh, today and always. But this is twofold, because yes, the headline is interesting, but there's a whole science about why, uh, you know, toothpaste makes orange juice taste bad are you an orange juice for breakfast kind of gal guy <laughs> i i mean not regularly but i've certainly had that awful experience of having just brushed my teeth and trying to drink orange juice and it's horrendous <laughs> yes absolutely i don't drink i'm off the juice right because it doesn't agree with me but i have also had this ex- experience and apparently an ingredient called sodium laurel sulfate or sls is largely to blame the cleaning agent and surfactant causes orange juice to taste gross after brushing your teeth admittedly sls isn't found in all toothpastes but it's found in most toothpastes meaning your average oj lover knows the pain of not being able to fully enjoy their morning oj <laughs> look at that well now here's a here's an interesting question because people's morning routines are are often very different are we a roll out of bed and immediately brush our teeth are we a roll out of bed have a coffee or an oj 
and then brush our teeth? Are we, there's like, I feel like there's places in the morning where people brush their teeth. Yeah, I actually just had this debate with uh, a few friends and I am definitely a um, brush first thing kind of person because the idea of eating or drinking something with that like night taste in my mouth is really off-putting. <laughs> Um, yeah, no, was, Wait um, a minute, what are you tasting? Are you... <laughs> e. <laughs> e. Oh. Um, well, listen, I'm single and ready to mingle, so yeah, <laughs> me too. I, I, I don't, I ain't tasting nothing at night. Um, absolutely. Yeah, I am a, a coffee, then brush my teeth kind of gal, because I live alone, so I... Nobody's got to deal with my morning <laughs> breath but me, myself, and I, you know? Um, so Tropicana worked closely with research and development partner Dynamic Blending Specialists to bring this toothpaste to life from the initial concept to product development, production, and finally, reality. Tropicana toothpaste is different from other toothpaste because it was specifically designed to protect the delicious taste of orange juice. Very impressive. Look at that. I do I do love science, so <laughs> you do love science. What is sodium laurel sulfate? I think I, I wanna say that that's like the the general thing in, in like soap and things that clean things. <laughs> Yeah, this is probably something I should have looked up, but I was like, ah. <laughs> right? maybe the throw it at the neuroscientist. <laughs> He'll probably um, Hopefully that's not something we're finding in your brains. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, my God. Well, the new limited edition toothpaste, which arrives um, in a clearly branded Tropicana toothpaste, was released on Monday, November 1st, National Brush Day. But it won't actually be available to buy. Instead, you have to, like, engage with them on social media and maybe they'll send you uh, a thing. I think we're here for this. We're here for this, right? Like, you know, if if you're uh, an OJ drinker, like, yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. Have your toothpaste and and drink your OJ, too. (laughs) One dentist wants to protect everyone's sweet tooth by buying back Halloween candy from kids. Huh. This I found very interesting. Because what child is going to give up his candy, their candy, to a dentist? Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, I mean, like, how much is he paying? (laughs) Well, per pound of candy, you get a dollar. Or you get entered in a raffle to win other prizes. Okay, yeah, that doesn't seem worth it. <laughs> no, well, uh, we as rational adults, yeah. Maybe we can bam- maybe the parents are bamboozling the kids. Maybe. Right? Maybe. <laughs> this article is from thetakeout.com, right? And so... Uh, someplace in Idaho, uh, according to the Idaho News, for one pound of candy, kids can earn a dollar and win prizes like gift cards and freebies from local businesses. So um, this dentist uh, in Meridian, Idaho, will be sending the candy to, to troops overseas and encourages the kids to write letters to send the troops as well. This is where it gets heartfelt and like, oh, there's a reason to do this now, you know? Mm-hmm. We love getting the uh, together with the kids, having them bring their co- in their costumes, watching them write letters to the troops, and just have a great time with the kids and watching the joy that can come from giving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. 
Look at that, right? Okay. I, I, I didn't realize that was a thing still that you like, you know, that feels very like old school mentality. Let's mm-hmm. like put care packages together to send to the troops or let's write to our troops, which is actually really lovely. Yeah, that does sound nice. You know what I mean? I also, uh, de- uh, I didn't uh, deep dive into sodium laurel sulfate, but I did deep dive into is donating leftover candy a thing for Halloween? And apparently it is. Um, according to today.com, uh, you can donate your leftover candy to Treats for Troops. There's a Halloween candy buyback, which uh, partners with other dentists. Apparently this is a thing. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> which uh, which exchanges uh, the candy for healthy items such as toothbrushes, hygiene kits, and coupons. Operation Gratitude, which also sends the treats to troops and first responders along with your letters. Operation Shoebox um, sends things to troops as well. And the Ronald McDonald's House uh, Charities. Mm-hmm. Okay. Look at that. Well, I'm, at that. I'm imagining doing this as a child and thinking about it as a way of maybe just getting rid of the candy that I don't actually like, but then that's maybe sad because then that's being sent to other people and they're getting these care packages full of all the worst candy. <laughs> well, and what, and what message are you, are you giving your child? Just give them the, <laughs> you know, <laughs> Wait, are we a candy corn person or not candy corn? I keep bringing up great food debates here today. <laughs> um, I mean, no, I, I don't particularly care for candy corn. <laughs> I don't. I wouldn't say that I like hate it with a fiery passion or anything like that. It's just it's not a, a pleasant candy for me. I like a candy. What's uh, are, what kind of candy are Stan? Are we? Oh, uh, all the chocolate. <laughs> all the chocolate. Now there's another debate: Is chocolate candy? Or is chocolate chocolate? I mean, I think of it as like a candy bar is generally going to be some sort of chocolate-based candy. Okay. Yeah. All right. I, I can be here for yeah. that, right? <laughs> yeah. As opposed to a taco being a sandwich, right, right. you see? Brought us full not. circle. <laughs> <laughs> Brought us full circle. Well, listen, I am here for a candy buyback as long as you're not like you know, pawning off the candy you don't like, right? And with the, with the message of giving back, because we are in the season of giving now, right? No matter what holiday you celebrate, the season in in general is about giving back and coming together as a community to, like, you know, help one another out. So I feel like we can absolutely be here for this. And last but not least, Americans would rather go celibate than wash dishes. <laughs> All right. I, I mean, it's it's a um, familiar struggle. <laughs> <laughs> I was real. This was absolutely ridiculous. And the last two articles, if I didn't say it before, are from the takeout.com. Thank you to the takeout. So the study sent to the takeout via press release surveyed 1,014 quote unquote nationally representative Americas, Americans ages 18 and up 
earlier this month. It's unclear exactly how the researchers determined which participants were nationally representative. <laughs> However, the study does note that the chances are 95 in 100 that a survey result does not vary plus or minus by more than 3.1% from the, re- the result that would be obtained if interviews had been conducted with all personas in the universe represented by the sample. I don't know what that means. That was a mouthful. Yeah, that was a lot, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I felt like that was like good radio. Though. Um, <laughs> so uh, the study focused on the dishwashing habits of average Americans and found that of the nearly 227 million Americans who regularly wash dishes, most people spend an average of 25 minutes each day at the kitchen sink across all their meals. Per the study, that equates to more than six days spent washing dishes each year. Hmm. That's a lot of time. That's a lot of time. And around 41% of Americans use six or more tools to prepare each meal. So that's a lot of dishes, Mm -hmm. too. Mm -hmm. So, yeah. um, So one in five of those respondents said they'd give up sex for a whole year in exchange for a lifetime free of doing the dishes. (laughs) How do we feel about this? I mean, so... I'm single and, you know, I generally am very happy as a single person. Uh, but the one of the like most motivating things for me about the idea of a relationship is to have someone to clean up after me in the kitchen. <laughs> if like the <laughs> I'll cook you clean arrangement, I would 100% sign up for that. <laughs> That's right. And then, but then what if that person cleaning up, I guess the person likes to clean up that, right? And then wouldn't be giving up the sex. <laughs> right, right. Because <laughs> if, uh, if the lucky person that you found in the kitchen was like, oh, I love his cooking, but I hate all these dishes. I'd rather give up sex. Then you're screwed. Right, right. It's dangerous. <laughs> right? <laughs> it's a catch-22. <laughs> Listen, I like I said, I live in 120 square feet, and I'm always doing all the dishes all the time. But I wouldn't give up the sex for it. Right? <laughs> Not that I'm having that much these days, but like, no, ma'am, it's so few and far between. I got, I got to keep what I got. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna wash a few dishes. It's not a big deal. <laughs> it's worth washing the coffee pot and the spatula. And with that, I think that's the best way to end food news. <laughs> <laughs> now you can carry that with you to, you know, the neuroscience lab and, <laughs> and tell all your colleagues and fellow classmates about this this interesting factoids you've yeah, learned. Oh, love a good fun fact for her. <laughs> you know, I, I'm full of a lot of useless food news. <laughs> Trust me, this has been over three years in, a, in the making and a whole lot of food news. <laughs> I can imagine. I like I like the little the theme that we had going there with the toothpaste and then the dentist and then threw in a little curveball at the end. <laughs> yeah, right. You see what I did there? It's it, it, it it's all for you, like Janet Jackson once said, Jeevan. <laughs> I want to I want to pivot to this fabulous moment that you had right on the uh, on the interwebs, right, with the one and only president 
Obama. Can 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 you tell the listener all about this moment? Yeah. Um, so. uh, as the cops come to get me, <laughs> right? <laughs> <laughs> um, they heard about your uh, um, thoughts about a taco being a sandwich, and I just <laughs> uh, and they're coming to cart me away for sure. <laughs> Um, so there was this thing that happened on the interwebs, as you said, uh, I had posted a picture for Pride Month, um, of me in a turban that I had sort of designed myself to have a, a rainbow design going across one side. So I call it my pride turban. Um, and so I, I just wrote like a, a little pride message on, on Twitter and tweeted that out into the universe. And it turned out that uh, much more than I had anticipated, people were uh, excited about this. <laughs> uh, so it started sort of doing the numbers and um, going a little bit viral. And then in that process, I got a very, very special message from President Obama. Uh, he retweeted it with some very lovely words. And of course, that... Um, well, it didn't uh, help with the viral situation. <laughs> um, so yeah, that that led to this sort of summer of um, interviews and and messages from people again, which is really connecting with with what they saw in me and our shared aspects of our identity. Um, and it, it's a, another one of those things where I'm just like wow, that was a once in a lifetime <laughs> kind of, it seems like I've had uh, more than my fair share of these. <laughs> yeah. And listen, it's, uh, I, I am bringing it full circle back to the whole representation matters, mm -hmm. you know, um, umbrella here uh, because it's important and it's beautiful. And, you know, we're, there's, uh, there's all types out there. There's all types and all sorts of people and, you know, and, why shouldn't we all be celebrated right. and why like it's and so the, the message was beautiful and then the traction it got was even more beautiful and in your mouth listeners the the tweet said i'm proud to be a bisexual bearded baking brain scientist i feel fortunate to be able to express all these aspects of my identity and will continue to work towards in ensuring the same freedom for others hashtag pride month pride turban Love is love. Can you talk to me about coming out, right? And what that was like for you? <laughs> yeah, I think that, I mean, that fits into the story here because I think at that point I had, you know, I'd come out to my family and my close friends, but I wasn't like necessarily um, out to everybody in my life. Um, so it was funny as this was kind of picking up steam, I texted my sister and I said, you know, if there were any lingering concerns about me being out of the closet, I may have messed that up. <laughs> um, but it was really remarkable for me. And I was so happy that this happened because, you know, clearly other people in my life stumbled upon this randomly. And I got so many messages and from people who I might not have expected to be really supportive of this aspect of my identity. Um, and it, it really surprised me um, to find support from people who I might not have expected to, to find it with. Um, so yeah, more, more generally speaking, I came out sort of, you know, later in life, probably I think I was around 25 years old. Um, and I, I grew up in a fairly traditional household. Uh, I'd say we had those kind of traditional values of 
Um, you know, I wasn't dating when I was in, in high school. Um, it was really only when I when I got up into that age that I even started thinking about the idea of having a relationship. Um, so I hadn't really interrogated the idea of my sexuality within myself very closely, just because it wasn't something um, I was thinking about. <laughs> you know, I had to uh, do well in school and get a good job. And then that's when you start thinking about um, getting married and, and moving on with your life. Um, so as I approached that age and, and started really critically examining what it was that I wanted out of life and how it was that I connected with other people romantically, um, I realized that I wasn't able to really uh, have a, a connection with people of the type that I wanted if I was hiding this aspect of my identity. Um, and so even if it was going to be a question of only dating women, um, I felt like hiding my sexuality wasn't really living in line with my values. Um, and, and a really core aspect of, of Sikhism is to live without fear and without hate. Um, and I felt like not being uh, fully open about my sexuality was not in line with those values. Um, so that's really what motivated me to come out to my family um, and then uh, be more open more generally. Yeah, that's that's incredible. And A, thank you for sharing. Um, because, you know, our each and every one of our stories is important. And I, I say it every episode at this point, right? And we never know who's listening and who, who we can uh, affect and inspire and, you know, perhaps give hope to young or mm -hmm. old, right? Right? Whoever latches on to our individual stories and, like, really, like, you know, relates to us and be like, yes, like, that's what I want. I can be that too. Like the glow up is real. <laughs> I say, you know, like the journey is real, no matter what that journey looks like. And, and here we are together being the best version of ourselves right now, right? The most glowed up, if you will, you know, and, and that's beautiful and it's beautiful to hear. So thank you for sharing. Absolutely. Yeah. So what's next? What's next uh, as far as, as the baking, are we going to see more from you? I, uh, I know you have a beautiful website there, right? Waiting in the wings, right? There's some recipes up. Well, what's next as far as, I know you're healing the world and, <laughs> and, and saving the children here, right? With the neuroscience uh, of it all and the, and the brain work and the research, right? And you're, you're doing good work, right? And we thank you for that. But are, are we going to see more of the baking as well? Will that... Will that eventually take over? Let, let us know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, for me, the, the baking has sort of ebbed and flowed along with the other aspects of my life. So it is uh, at times difficult to, to maintain, but it, you know, it provides this really wonderful respite from the other aspects of my life when they become stressful. Um, so the baking is definitely not going anywhere permanently. I will continue baking for the rest of my life, surely. Um, mm -hmm. And like you said, I do hope to, um, you know, do a little bit more on the creative side in terms of recipe development and, and sharing not only my food with people, but the recipes for those creations. And then I'd say <clears throat> long term, I've, I've always had this idea in my mind that it would be really cool to, to have my own bakery and, um, you know, it's, I, I didn't, I didn't talk about it earlier, but my, uh, my parents actually 
once owned a pizza parlor <laughs> briefly when I was a, a child because part of their dream was to have a business that they they run their, themselves and it would be food related because my mom is such a good cook. Um, and I think I, I'm carrying a little bit of that spark within me too that one day I would like to have, um, you know, to, to run a business that is my own that, you know, allows me to do this sharing on a, on a wider scale. Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, the, cro- the cross-section of neuroscience and baking, right? It has to be the precision of it all, <laughs> I would imagine. <laughs> the science and precision and patience of it all, none of which I have to <laughs> Yeah, def- I mean, I would say the, the kind of scientific-mindedness lends itself really well to baking. Um, because especially initially when you're learning how to do it, it helps to be accurate and precise and that leads to, to better results. But there's also an, an artistry to it. And, and I think that that is true of both science and, uh, and baking where, you know, you need some creativity, you need some new ideas in order to, to push things a little further. Yeah, absolutely. It's also why, uh, on the flip side of things, why I always say I can never have an office job. Well, never say never. Because, mm-hmm. like, the need to create and the need to move, like, to be stuck in, like, somebody's cubicle, right, with a window, like, 80 feet away from me, I think it would drive me yeah. mad, you know? Like, this this need to create and this need to be tactile and, and like, to be challenged in the mind, I, in the mind, I think, is ever important, mm-hmm. you know? Yeah, I totally get that, uh, I think. Absolutely. Before we close out, do we have a, Do we have any like great American baking show gossip? Like Emma Bunton, like you know, Baby Spice, got Paul Hollywood, right? I, I mean, I don't know about gossip, but I will say uh, Emma Bunton is the sweetest person. I mean, <laughs> how could you be Baby Spice and be a terrible person? <laughs> I mean, that would would be truly a shocking twist. Right? <laughs> Unfortunately. Um, yeah, no, I don't. I don't have that gossip. But yeah, she was she was amazing to work with. Got me through some some stressful times while I was uh, cooking up some disasters in the tent. <laughs> oh please, uh, the, you had very few to say the least. My, I, I wanted, I wanted the the holiday wreath, the whole bread sculpture oh. of it all, <laughs> right? Wasn't it? Um, it was babka, wasn't it? Like chocolate babka. Yeah, chocolate babka. Right? Yeah. Oh, the the brain still works. Because <laughs> I also just caught up to this season's Great British Baking Show, so it's all, it's all. Do you know there's a there's a vegan girl on it? No spoilers, but there is a vegan girl on this season's Great British Baking Cook Off or whatever it's called. Um, and uh, everything she makes for showstoppers are is vegan based mm-hmm. and. She is having quite a time, but like doing the thing, right? Uh-huh. Oh yeah, so. I've been enamored with what she's been doing. It's really, truly impressive, <laughs> right? You know, you know that Paul Hollywood, by the way, yeah, he's that's an attractive gentleman. If you, if I do say so myself, you cannot look directly in his eyes. <laughs> all right, it's not all smoke and mirrors and soft filters for the TV. <laughs> no, it's real. <laughs> That RuPaul season one filter, you know? (laughs) Oh, my God. Well, what a pleasure and a joy and an honor it was to have you on the pod today. Thank you so much for giving me of your time, giving us 
uh, your beautiful story today. Let the kids know where they can find you if they want to find you. Give them all the handles, all the websites, everything, Jeevan. Yeah, so uh, my baking website is beardedbakerco.com. Uh, you can find me on Instagram. Uh, it's bearded underscore baker underscore. Um, for my food photography, I do a bit of other photography. If you're interested in that, it's just Jeevan Coley, uh, just my name. Tasteful nudes. Tasteful nudes. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's on a totally separate account, but <laughs> um, yeah, it's it's all it's all linked up pretty well. So you can also just Google me. Fortunately, <laughs> yeah, right. Uh, listen, uh, your your good friend Ms. Google. You could find out a lot. Uh, a lot about a lot of people, you know? <laughs> yeah, definitely. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, thank you once again to Jeevan just for coming on the pod and sharing of himself with us today. It's been such a special day. In your mouth, listeners, we are speeding towards Thanksgiving. Yes. Have you ordered your turkeys already? Because I hear there's a shortage. And, I mean, you might as well get on the Christmas tree, too. Put in a pre-order or something if... if that's what you celebrate because allegedly the the pandemic shortages are in full effect. Uh, get out there. Um, Oprah's favorite things, I guess. She dropped her list early too. I was I was seeing on the news. I don't know. I don't even have time to shop nor the money. But you know what? At least I can inform you to do that. And with that, I guess all I have to say is thank you for listening to In Yo Goosebumps. <laughs>